I don't know why I did that. <laughs> that sounded like I was on the phone to like my mum or something. <laughs> Hello. Hello and welcome back to the Elise Easy Show. I'm your host, Elise Easy. And today I'm joined by Rachel Oates. Hi. Fellow YouTuber. We are doing yet another episode of our Great Gilmore Girls rewatch. I've still not thought mm. of a snappier title for it. Don't ask me about titles. I'm used to them. It's hard, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. So this episode, episode three, it's called Kill Me Now. And... It's basically about Rory playing golf with Richard. <laughs> it is, but it's also about so much more. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So, oh, have you been up to anything? Oh, God, only only um, taking Bethany Beale's ultimate sex course for Christian women. I Yay. have been telling you all about this for the last day, haven't I? But mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I don't know when this is going out or if my video on it will be out yet, but it is an experience it's so for like people who don't know bethany beale is one one half of girl defined you know they're like cringy christian sisters who like are all like anti-feminist incredibly homophobic transphobic they're all like yeah traditional gender roles and full of like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, all the time bethany streamed her wedding live on youtube it uh, it's all very old. yeah that's a bit embarrassing isn't it <laughs> I know. And it was her first ever kiss that got live streamed. What? Between her and us? That was the first time they ever kissed? That was her first ever kiss. Oh, now I just feel really sad. Mm-hmm. Oh. She was... Oh, did they even know how to do it? Was it his first kiss? I'm not sure about that. I don't know if they've been public about that. Slag. The husband, that is, not her. I'm joking, I'm joking. But still, if that wasn't his first kiss either, then that's a double standard. Yeah. It was just, it was very awkward to watch and it was weird. But she was like 30 years old at the time. So she was like our age. And she finally had her first kiss. And then she was all like, oh my God, marriage is so wonderful. It's so perfect. Being married is like the best thing ever. And then like, six months ago her husband came out and was like yeah for the last four years I've been miserable and I was thinking about suicide and it's been awful and she's like yeah okay maybe it wasn't as good as we thought and it's been really difficult but now everything's great and I'm going to teach you how to have great sex like me and she's selling this course for like 160 dollars oh it's 169 dollars that everyone keeps laughing about because <laughs> like, do you think she did that intentionally? Um, but I got a discount code and I got it for cheap. So I paid like 80 quid for it. And um, yeah, it's an experience. It's very odd. Yeah, because I saw that stuff about her husband on, I think, Reddit mm-hmm. of all places. And obviously I was I was vaguely aware of Girl Defined, but I can safely say that I've never sat and watched a video of theirs because I just, I don't want to <laughs> torture myself. I you have know? never envied you more. <laughs> I stay away from that because I know that like, you know, their lifestyles and my lifestyle just are in no way compatible in the slightest. So I just, I tend to stay away from, I I tend to stay away from any like religious dogma regardless, Mm. like no matter the religion, I stay away from all of it. It's interesting you say that though, because Bethany is kind of, 
it's almost like she's deconstructing in real time. We're seeing her push back against purity culture, which she has been a part of perpetuating for so long. And she's starting to push back against it and say how it's harmed her and how it's harmed other people. She's literally got people in this course talking about how purity culture messed them up and caused so much damage and trauma. And now she's like asking these questions of like, oh, so like, why did we never talk about like uh, female pleasure during sex? Why did we never hear about orgasms? Why is this never the focus? And she's asking these questions that feminists have been asking for decades and that feminists have been like pushing back against for decades and that feminists have been trying to be like, no, we're making this change. We're trying to like, you know, get people talking about this stuff, get women to be more focused on in certain like scientific studies and things like that. And Bethany's finally starting to ask answer. Bethany's finally starting to ask these questions, but she's not given herself the feminist label yet. She's still being like, yeah, but we're not like those secular feminists. This is different. And I'm like, why are you still making that distinction? It's interesting. Do you think there's hope for her then? I don't know. That's the thing. Because like her husband, Dave, he's been showing like a ton of progress as well. And like, he's been going to see like an actual licensed therapist not just a christian counselor so he's been doing a lot of work there he said that like if their kids grow up and they end up being like atheist or anything like that he's like yeah no i totally support them that's fine and that's stuff that we haven't seen from anyone in that family before so i don't know i kind of do have some hope for them but at the same time just because there's a little bit of hope that doesn't necessarily erase all the harm they've done in the past you know well, that was going to be my next question, actually. Like, say mm-hmm. she does start to reject purity culture, maybe not, because you can be a Christian and be a perfectly normal person. One of my best friends, she's a Christian Absolutely. and she's a normal human being, you know. Yeah. But imagine, like, uh, Bethany starts to reject the more extreme elements of it and just becomes a normal, mm-hmm. rational person, turns it all around. Um is it, it maybe it doesn't erase all the harm done but isn't it better that one does become better like can you mm-hmm. i know she's i know she and her sister have done a lot of harm but i wonder when people start to turn it around should the audiences still punish them or should you reward the the well, that, the good behavior that's the thing i think if she did turn it around and she did start to use her platform to literally correct so much of the damage she's done I would support that completely Mm. I know a lot of people wouldn't because they'd be too mad at her but like if she suddenly started realizing oh crap that stuff I said was transphobic let me now speak out about like you know supporting trans people I'd be like yes you do it good job you know Mm. so stuff like that but it also can't just be like half measures at the minute she's nowhere near there she's just kind of just edging towards the like white cis hetero feminist stuff she Mm. sells a long long way to go you know but progress is progress i don't envy her really because if she does come back to rational thought that's going to be an absolute minefield because this is the conditioning she's had for what over three decades like her entire life has been um these women are conditioned into you've got to have a husband and you've got to have kids and you have to be this way and what's a clitoris and blah 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 you know like so i don't she's going to have a lot of oh god she's going to need therapy yeah yeah she's already getting pushback from her family like she said in this video series that um some of her family are embarrassed that she's now talking about sex online and she's making this course and stuff like that and she's like yeah but you know that's just purity culture that's what's happened to them and i'm like 
good that you're recognizing it and good that you're not letting it stop you. But also, you know, she still has family members out there who are making similar content and, you know, to that harmful stuff. And it's, I don't know, it's interesting. I am very, very interested to see where she goes in the next, like, five, ten years. It sounds like a cult. Whenever anyone gets extreme, whether it's with religion or an ideology or even politics, it always turns into a bit of a cult. And as soon as you start to deviate, you're kicked out, you're isolated and alienated, which that in turn stops people from trying to speak out or leave in the first place. I mean, with Scientology, if you leave Scientology, you, you don't see your friends and family again because they're not allowed to talk to you. Um, You get, what do you get? You get followed around by Scientologists yeah. in their cars. Like it's mad. In fact, that's the most I'm going to even say on Scientology because I like <laughs> they're, the, they're the only people that I worry about. They've got too yeah. much money. <laughs> they are quite scary. And like the amount of influence and stuff they have, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, no, they're so the Baird family are kind of like IBLP adjacent. So they're similar mm. to the whole like Institute of Basic Life Principles group which are very cult-like as well. But if you look at, um, do you know uh, Stephen Hassan's bite model? No. It's Okay, so it's this like, uh, well, model that he made, basically the characteristics of cults and how to identify cults and stuff like that. So uh, the B-I-T-E relate to like kind of broad categories like behavior. Hang on, let me look this up so I'm getting this right. Yeah, behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotional control. And within those, you have different, like, specific techniques that cults and cult leaders use to uh, control their followers, essentially. So if you look through this, a lot of what the church that Bethany's a part of employ a lot of these things. The IBLP employ a lot of these things. So, for example, um, under information control, you have stuff like minimizing or discouraging access to non-cult sources of information including internet tv uh critical information former members all that sort of thing um compartmentalizing information into outsider and insider doctrines under thought control you have things like um encouraging only good and proper thoughts uh, memories are manipulated, uh, teaching thought-stopping techniques, which shut down reality testing by stopping negative thoughts and allowing only positive thoughts. Um, and under emotional control, stuff like promoting feelings of guilt or unworthiness, such as ident- identity guilt, um, your past is suspect, your affiliations are unwise, your thoughts, feelings, actions are irrelevant or selfish. This is all stuff that these really like... Um, I I don't want to say like obsessive, but like these types of fundies, they all do this stuff, this idea that, you know, Bethany still to this day keeps using this phrase of sexually broken. We're all born sexually broken. And it's again, part of this thing about like instilling guilt on people, especially women for having sexual thoughts and feelings and making them feel ashamed of themselves. And Mm. yeah, it's, it's interesting. Sorry, I could talk about this stuff forever. I've been in two minor sales cults. I told you that. <laughs> Is this like one of the MLMs? <laughs> well, one of them was an MLM, MLM, which like MLMs is meant to... so cult like. <laughs> yeah, so I've been in. I was in one of those, and to be fair to me, they both happened within the same period of about a year, 
um i didn't i just i got out of doing pub work and i didn't want to get like a normal proper job basically um so i was just being a bit silly one of them was an mlm that i was never any good at because i wasn't good at the whole get your friends involved like i couldn't do it so we me and me and my best mate who also got into it we literally quit after like a month or so but the other one the other one was like a minor sales cult where uh, you work only on commission these are very well known actually i think they originally came over from the united states um so there's loads of blog pages and blog posts about these like weird culty sales teams mm. and stuff you're on commission only you get in the office by like half seven you don't leave until like half eight um it's a lot of like b2c so business to customer yeah. whether that's like being you know the charity uh, they're called chuggers, the people, the the charity muggers on the street who are oh, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> sign up for sign up for cancer research, whatever. Yeah. Um, well, a lot I've of never the charities before chuggers, yeah. yeah. The, a lot of them are actually um, they actually do earn proper wages, but the ones who are on mm-hmm. commission only, it's basically a cult. You you you're you're made to do like weird chants in the morning, <laughs> like there was one, and they all stand for something. They're all um abbreviations, right? So like is it abbreviated no it's not abbreviations so there was one like called juice and i can't remember what it was called but you'd have to kind of be like juice and and like imagine me and my personality and then imagine me at 8 a.m right like in this room full of like positive people imagine me just like but i stuck it out for like i want to say like two or three months and i barely made any money and it's yeah like i i stuck it out because i really just didn't want to go and they tried to brainwash you a little bit they tried to say things Mm. like yeah you should be laughing at the people who work at nine to five so it's like bitch we're working like 10 to 12 hours but what are you talking about laughing at the nine to fivers um calling them mugs basically being like you know in a year's time we're all going to be business owners and we're going to be on like six grand a month and all this and it's like a load of rubbish right and the business i could like check things off the buy model that you're saying right now yep yep (laughs) oh oh okay okay so get this and like I always kind of so these these people they prey on like um people who are either too idealistic or who are being well I, I don't want to say lazy uh because like it's long hours and it's long days yes. but there is an element of not wanting to go down like the more established routes of working your way up in a business right not lazy but unconventional exactly yeah um and I could never, I was never any, I was never very good at it because I could never buy into the ideology because I'm too much of a jaded cynic, but I just literally didn't want to get a normal job, right? And we were t- <laughs> we were told by the manager once around Christmas time, because this was over like, yeah, that period of winter, like about three months or so. We were told um, when you go home, there might be people in your life who don't understand what you're doing because it's commission only and they might think you're crazy. You should probably not listen to these people. And and I was living with like my best mate at the time. And I think I complained about him. I'm always complaining about him anyway, but I complained about him like offhandedly, right? To one of my colleagues. And it was just a really offhanded comment and it was nothing really to do with work. But one of my colleagues was like, you know, it's really important the the people that you hang out with because it affects like your mental state and well-being. And maybe you shouldn't be around negative people. Maybe so like there's this weird isolation right like like don't listen cut people off if they're saying bad things about what you do um and a bunch of the other co-workers lived with the manager as well which apparently that's like normal like to happen in these weird little sales calls yeah so I did it for about three months and then I went and got a 
job at a pub and I was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got out of that. Mm. Have you I'm seen, so much happier uh... to actually have money. <laughs> <laughs> what? Being paid for your work? No, no, don't be silly. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen the Amazon documentary on um, Lula, Lula Rose? No. It's like one of the MLMs with like a cheap clothing company and stuff and like how cult like that got and stuff. It's really good. You should watch it. It's um like three episodes or something, but yeah, it's uh intense. They do like cut you off and stuff. And they had basically they were giving women tips on how to do things like hide from their husbands that they were buying more inventory and stuff mm. like that. And they were like, oh, you know, like we'll ship it in these like discreet boxes and this discreet packaging. And here's how to hide it from your husband. Here's how to like cover up your bank statements. Here's how, like it's really messed up. Mm. <sighs> Good times. <laughs> Yeah, great memories. But I was I was about twenty two, so that's literally my excuse. I was about twenty two. Who doesn't get involved in a cult once in a while? Who cares? Yeah. Well, my old mother in law tried to get me into a cult. I think I told you about this. Yeah. Which one was that? Uh, Adidam. What's that? Um. Oh God, it's weird. You have this like weird guru called Adidar. He's dead now, but they still worship him. She literally has a shrine to him in her attic, and um. It was all about like following him and oh god I don't really understand she would like pray on this like rug in front of this like giant picture of him and like give him offerings of like flowers and stuff and then like they'd go on retreats and stuff but that was like the normal stuff the messed up stuff was like there was a lot of weird sex stuff going on like really yeah so like this 15 year old girl came to them and was like oh like I was sexually assaulted what do I do and so he was like, okay, we need to get you over your trauma. So strip naked in front of this room of people and like perform oral sex on these five men. No way. Yeah, it was really, really? bad. And there were a ton of allegations like that and stuff. And my old mother-in-law literally at one point took her two kids, including her 12-year-old daughter, um, to a remote island to go to one of his retreats. And I'm like, a lot of these allegations were in the 80s. And then in the 90s, you take your 12-year-old daughter away from her dad Mm. to, like, be on this remote island with a known sexual predator. Like, what are you thinking? She was like, oh, no, it was all just a misunderstanding. Like, you know, he's he's not that bad. He's not what people say. And I'm like, but you've heard of these allegations, right? You're not just ignorant. And she was like, yeah, yeah. And he says they're all untrue. And I'm like, of course he does. Anyway, it was really messed up. Hmm. Um, she tried to get me to join the cult and I was like huh, hell no and she hated me after that and it's kind of like it was just one <laughs> of many factors contributing to my breakup with Dan <laughs> because his mother was insane <laughs> well speaking of shrines um, when I was like quite young like eight or so I built a shrine in my room I made a little shrine to, um... to Keanu Reeves <laughs> no to aliens oh! <laughs> and I'd leave little offerings of like apples and you know those drumstick lollies i love drumstick lollies (laughs) i would leave the offerings wait a few minutes and then be like well i should probably eat them on your behalf (laughs) because i thought i thought if i had this little shrine maybe i could psychically communicate with the aliens and get like get them to pick me up and get me the head away from earth yeah i see no problem with that that's a wild thing for a kid to be thinking though like like my childhood wasn't bad it sounds like i had some weird hang-ups or something no my childhood was absolutely fine but i was just desperate to like not be here oh bless 
Well, I, I really believed in ghosts for a long time when I was a kid. And I used to do everything to try and communicate with ghosts and like look for signs and signals and stuff. Um, and then I realized I was an idiot. So <laughs> I stopped. Yeah, I was never keen on ghosts. I didn't like them. No. I, I quite like the idea that there's like energy that sticks around. You can communicate with the dead and stuff. And now I don't believe it at all, but I wish it was true. I think it would be really cool. Do you know what I've stopped believing in? <gasps> Don't say lizard people. No, never. No, 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 no. I mean, that's that's a given, of course, of course. In a universe that's maybe infinite, then everything possible has happened. So on a planet mm -hmm. somewhere, there's my beloved reptilians. No, um, I don't think that UFOs built the pyramids anymore. Oh, <gasps> <laughs> who are you? I, I've grown up. No. <laughs> now that doesn't mean to say I don't believe that. Like maybe aliens could have been knocking around, and maybe they said to the pharaohs, "Do not be good, right? Build stuff like this, and we'll just show you how to." But I don't think the UFOs, like <laughs> you know, gravitated big blocks and built the pyramids. What changed your mind? I just grew up, really. No, I've been listening to. But um, what changed my mind is education. <laughs> I I've didn't want to say that, but <laughs> I've been listening to um there's loads of lectures on Audible and most of them you can get for free and it's called The Great Courses and they have like um professors and experts and mm -hmm. stuff do the these series of lectures and there's one on ancient Egypt and I love Egyptian yeah. stuff. And also like um crap, I can't remember her name, but like that's a YouTuber and I went for lunch with her once. Um I forgot her. She's listening to this right now, really, really annoyed. No, because I know her real name, but I've forgotten her YouTuber name. Oh, okay. Because um, <laughs> she did a video, she did a video about creep show art and she was painting and stuff. Anyway, I went for lunch with her and she like does archaeology. And she was telling me about like um how well there weren't any slaves in ancient Egypt, actually. The whole the whole <laughs> Israelites um being slaves thing isn't it's in the bible but there's no historical records in, yeah. in egypt to back that up right mm -hmm. so it wasn't slaves who built the pyramids it was all community service because everyone was a mm -hmm. farmer basically yeah. so everyone chipped in and they had they have records of people being like good job today amon tep's gang or like you know <laughs> something to so the equivalent yeah. of that right um yeah. i heard that so well yeah like it's supposed to be like something that you need like quite a lot of dedication for. So it's like unlikely that you could have forced people to do it. It was people mm. who like genuinely believed in the cause and everything like that, I heard. Which isn't me saying that I don't think UFOs knocking around because there's definitely like, <laughs> there's this painting of the Virgin Mary. Um, oh, that one. <laughs> which one, which one? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the one with the alien in the background. Or like well, the like, like UFO. There's one with like a UFO in the sky yeah. and it's like they've painted a person looking up at it like that. So I definitely believe like UFOs are have been around and are still around mm -hmm. for sure. But um, yeah, like I don't, I don't, in my heart of hearts, I don't think UFOs had anything to do with Stonehenge either. Stonehenge is a really interesting one though, because they believe those stones were moved like really, really far. Yeah, 200 kilometers. Yeah, they've mm -hmm. done things like analyzing some of the old lichen on the rocks to see like where it came from and it's like basically coast at the other side of the country and whatever it's really really cool like yeah, it's interesting i mean it's a bit naff though isn't it stonehenge when you compare it to all the great pyramids across the world like like our ancestors really I'm just not the one who rocks. keeps visiting it <laughs> i've been only a few times i can count on one hand how many times i've been they keep updating it they keep like adding bits <laughs> 
to like nearby um yeah I kind of want to do a I really want to do like my own ancient aliens-esque UFO show <laughs> like hire a cameraman just go around the country trying to search for like aliens UFOs and I'd love to see something at Stonehenge but I think you'd need all sorts of permission like I'd love to just like camp near there maybe if I camped in a field and did a bit of UFO spotting you know I think you should go to Barnsley and interview people coming out the pubs about UFOs Barnsley why Barnsley yeah. just like proper South Yorkshire people Barnsley's near where I grew up I grew up in Peniston and like our nearest big town was Barnsley and it's uh rough as hell <laughs> I think I'd farewell down there then oh yeah they'd love you <laughs> I'm well hard mate <laughs> Just get like a bunch of chavs coming out of the pub being like, what do you think about UFOs? All like, oh, right. So my mate was down pub all the week and he saw this UFO and aliens. It'd be great. I'd love it. Please do that. Sound. There's a, um, <laughs> there's a, I shouldn't laugh really, but it's funny. There's a show on Netflix about, um, uh, alien, alien abduct, abductees mm. in the UK and yeah. you should watch it. I forget, I forget what it's called, but the little thumbnail on Netflix for it has this lady with like really mad hair. Um, and she says that, she, <laughs> like in the show, she says that she's been abducted like hundreds of times. Like she just went to the shops one day and saw some UFOs in the sky. She was with her mate and they were on their way to get KFC, but then they didn't get the KFC because they got abducted. <laughs> and it's like, I, I endorse, I love stuff like that, but I do think it's really funny, which is probably a bit bad of me, but. <laughs> I think octopuses could be part alien. Or like there's, aliens exist and they're like anything on Earth, they're gonna be most like octopuses. There's a whole ancient aliens episode about are octopuses actually aliens? There's also a whole episode about how insects might actually be aliens as well. Like they're really just going through the A to Z of everything and being like, <laughs> right, can this be aliens? Tick it off. That's why I like because people complain about ancient aliens a little bit, but I respect the hell out of it because I think it's so funny. I think like imagine looking at a building in like, I don't know, Whitechapel and being like could aliens have done that? Like, it's the equivalent of that every episode, you know? I respect the hell out of it. Oh. What do you think? Could aliens have made you? I think so. Yeah, she's an advanced life form compared to the rest oh. of us, so sure, why not? <laughs> you get that little genius. Yeah? Explains why you're so needy as well, doesn't it? You feel good. Oh, baby. Sorry. Shall we, shall we discuss Gilmore Girls? Shall we crack on? So we have the open. Lorelai and Rory are at their Friday night dinner. Um, I think, so firstly, I think the comment Emily makes about Lorelai's potential, like being upstairs with some mm -hmm. golf clubs that are like got dust on them. Yeah. I thought that was so mean and rude. And it was apropos of nothing. Came out of nowhere. It was so right. It was so bitchy. I did not like that at all. I really struggle. I struggle. I where did that come from? I really struggled with Richard and Emily in this opening bit mm. because, like, this is where we first get that running gag of like, oh, we're different maid cook person every week, whatever. But like, mm. it's just so typical of those upper classes to view working class people as disposable mm. and interchangeable and that really really bothered me like I know it's a running joke throughout the series but it's not one I've ever found funny mm. because like being from a working class background myself I'm like well 
that could very easily have been me that could have easily been my mum you know like I don't like them talking about like you know getting names wrong and stuff like that and not treating them as individuals it's just like we could be anyone and it's just such a rich thing to do and it annoyed me but then this is one of the things that makes me like Lorelai even more because she's the one who actually stands up for her and like asks her name and gets it right and stuff like that and mm. yeah I like that about Lorelai oh pardon me baby <laughs> okay yeah you have a lot to say don't you you do um but I also got Oh my god also richard talking about his mum and being like oh you would have loved her she was a great patron of the arts she was known for her masquerade balls i'm like yeah but did she actually do anything useful than spend money well they talk about her in in um past tense but trix mm -hmm. is alive she appears late like that's trix who they're on about so i think um i don't know i think they redacted her being dead or something or maybe she came back to life yeah. who knows but I noticed yeah. that I was like why are they talking about her in past tense like she appears later on and she's positively vile she's awful really? I, I don't quite remember her too well she's know. the really old lady um well they made her look a lot older than she actually was obviously yeah. um she's horrible she's We'll, we'll get onto it later I suppose but she's very nasty to Emily and it kind of explains why Emily is like so you know highly yeah. strong because she was she married into a family where like the mother just never thought that she was good enough she didn't think and Emily came from yeah. like a is she a boy mum I'm not sure if it's no I, d I don't know I don't know because she basically tells Richard to not marry Emily and mm. and she says like that she should have married someone else um we'll get on to it later i'm not sure if she's a boy mum i think she's just like snooty af yeah yeah um but yeah so like the main kind of like i guess like setup for this um episode right is that <laughs> rory's been told in school she needs to play a team sport and mm. so one of her options is golf how is that a team sport? Am I going crazy? Am I just missing something about golf here? That's a good point, like, actually. I went, I went back and rewatched that scene, and they say team sport, mm. and then golf. Do you have golf teams? Is that a thing? I don't know because I don't like golf. I think golf is ridiculous. I think what Boy. you hit the hit the ball and then drive after it. No. <laughs> and as Luke says, they're terrible for the environment. You have yeah. these big open spaces that just guzzle up water that are filled with chemicals that wildlife isn't allowed to live on. Mm. Terrible. Yeah, I'm not pro-golf. Um, but the argument that Lorelai and Emily both have about Rory, Rory's involvement, whether she should be tutored by Richard because Richard mm -hmm. likes to play golf. I thought both of them were in the wrong because neither of them asked Rory. The uh, Emily just assumed that she knew best and Lorelai assumes that Rory wouldn't like something that she doesn't like. And yeah. neither of them bothered to stop and just ask her what she wanted to do. So I think both of them were in the wrong and both of them were stubborn and annoying. That's true. But I also think I could understand Lorelai's perspective a bit more because she was coming from a place of fear like she was worried about losing Rory to these like rich people stuff and how she'd want to like go fall into that like life of money and you know going to the club and whatever rich people do and I think 
Lorelai was scared of Rory almost like enjoying that and becoming like her parents. And it's not like that's unfounded because that's exactly what happens. Mm. But at the same time, the justification that Lorelai uses where she's like, I know that she won't enjoy it. I know that she won't enjoy mm-hmm. it. I thought it was very flimsy because I did think oh, yeah. when, she was, when she was saying it, I thought, okay, but if she went golfing and didn't enjoy it, it's not the end of the fucking world that she had to spend two hours doing something she didn't like doing to hang out with yeah. someone that she actually does like. Like that's just called life, babe. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? What do you think office work is? Do you think a lot of people enjoy going into an office? No, mm-hmm. but sometimes, but- and I feel like, I, but I just feel like, um, I understand, I understand like the ulterior motive of not wanting Rory to be like her parents, but this idea of, oh, but Rory can't possibly do anything that she might not enjoy for a few hours is a very spoil. Like it's why she ends up so spoiled, I think, you know? Yeah. I think it's like, it's it's coddling. She was trying to make it a selfless excuse when really she was worried about things for her own reasons. I don't think she wanted to say the real reason, you know? So she had to like come up with something, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I'm not a fan of anything that just involves watching rich people do rich people stuff. Mm. And that's why I like the inclusion of people like Lorelai and Luke in Gilmore Girls, because otherwise it's just rich people doing rich people stuff. Like all the scenes at the club, like it's cute to see Richard and Rory bonding and chatting and stuff, but all the like, sorry (laughs) all the friends of Richard's at the club and everything I'm just like oh god they're awful they're just a bunch of creepy old men and they're all just like getting off and being like oh yeah my granddaughter's cleverer than your granddaughter my granddaughter's prettier than your granddaughter I'm like oh shut up like do something good in the world (laughs) see I thought I thought the rich people stuff at the golf club was funny because it was just so Mm. inherently petty like the old dude Mm. being being all oh that's my golf cart it has been for the past 40 years okay granddad like chill out go back to bed granddad or um whenever they saw that woman being like what an odious woman she is and there's no explanation why i just found all that stuff quite funny because it's like being at the zoo (laughs) you know because it's it's about status isn't it like the bloke the bloke being like that's been my golf cart for the past 40 years and Mm -hmm. people should know it it's status because these people are obsessed with how they appear externally um to everyone and they've been conditioned as such so you know like emily's existence is an incredibly petty one most of the time down to what type of flowers should we buy to have for the drawing room or whatever like that it's it's very materialistic it's very far away from like our lives um yeah but i kind of like to view it as uh, like being at the zoo (laughs) because it's so i'm fine with jokes at their expense and that's fine and everything but at Mm. the same time i'm just like it doesn't make me like those characters Mm. this is why I really didn't like Emily for such a long time when I was watching I really really liked her character in A Year in Life I Mm. thought she was great in that maybe good girl but in the first few series of just Gilmore Girls didn't like her at all Mm. um but yeah it is interesting doing this rewatch like seeing Rory's transition to spoiled rich kid is like so subtle they actually did do a really good job of building it up it makes sense yeah. You know, it's not just like it came out of nowhere. I think so too, because I think her whole arc in A Year in the Life makes sense. It makes sense that she's mm. a bit of a loser because yeah. <laughs> it just makes sense. And I, But I don't know if that was the, the the writer's intention. I don't know if it was Amy Palladino's intention for Rory to be mm-hmm. a bit of a, um, a little bit of a, 
I guess, messy person. I'm mm. not sure. Um, but it is interesting how it's foreshadowed throughout because she ends up really enjoying yeah. going to the club. Yeah. Which it's- I I liked the moments of her bonding with Richard and them enjoying mm-hmm. each other's company because I kind of feel like Rory felt drawn to Richard because Rory does not have a real father figure in her life. She doesn't. Like, Chris is such a waste man. He's such a loser. He does not... He's not a father. He's a sperm donor in my eyes. He's never there for her properly, you know? So I think, you know, she sees this strong patriarchal figure in the Gilmore family and she's like quite drawn to him and he, her, you know? I think Rory was really seeking out some sort of father figure. Oh, absolutely. And like that scene's all nice and it's sweet that they have this stuff to bond over. But also I understand why that makes Lorelai upset and why she's kind of a bit jealous of it because like Mm. she never had that with him. He never understood her. They didn't really have anything in common. And she probably wanted that kind of father-daughter bonding. But they just didn't see eye to eye in the way that Rich and Rory do. So I get why Lorelai was really upset by it. Oh, I understand why she was upset by it completely. Like, I understand that she was very jealous. Mm -hmm. Because, like, wouldn't you if you didn't have a good relationship with one of your parents? Mm -hmm. And then... But at the same time, it's Lorelai's child who, you know, towards the end, Lorelai... The difference between Lorelai and Emily is Emily, both of them were being a bit controlling in the beginning, but Emily at the end chooses just to be smug about being right, you know, instead of being humble about it. And whereas Lorelai matures and comes to accept that maybe Rory enjoys being a progress. Like, so, you know, Lorelai shows a little bit of growth towards the end of the episode, um, which is the difference between her and Emily because Emily is just petty. petty 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 yeah i literally like i have in my notes i was like i hated how at the end of the episode emily just had to rub lorelei's face in it it's clear that's where lorelei gets her pettiness from (laughs) yeah they're very similar people but the whole you know i didn't realize how many like sort of um you know that in these first three episodes there have been so many like moments where you see them doing the exact same thing but just Mm. in different ways and there really are like you know, it's like these parallels between them in the first couple of episodes. I didn't realise it was quite that obvious before. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was just going to say, um, Lorelai being jealous of Richard and Rory's blossoming relationship. Um, it's sad because, you know, she's a mum to her kid and she shouldn't be jealous. And they have that argument about boob sizes and swapping yeah. each other's sweaters and stuff. And that feels way more sibling-esque and like sisterly yeah. than it does mother-daughterly. And I think shows like Gilmore Girls are a good advertisement for just getting some damn therapy. Because it's okay that she was jealous yeah. because you know she can't have the same relationship with her father. And that's fine that she's jealous of it because mm-hmm. that's human. Um, but realistically, she should get some therapy to unpack her daddy issues and not take it out on yeah. her kid who just wants to be closer to her grandfather, you know? I also wrote in my notes, and this might be a little harsh, but I was like, this is why kids shouldn't have kids. Because it's clear that, like, in a lot of ways, Lorelai is, like, emotionally stunted at mm-hmm. 16 when she had Rory, and they're still yeah. there. She hasn't... I mean, she's grown up in some ways, but not others. Well, the way she has grown up, I really liked all the scenes with the wedding and the inn Mm -hmm. and showing just how, like, good and competent Lorelai is at her job. But I also liked, um, so there was this subplot of there's this wedding going at the inn and it's a set of Mm -hmm. twins marrying another set of twins, which is just okay, a bit strange. Um, But I liked the mum. I love Michelle's face when the twins first walked in. (laughs) (laughs) 
I liked the mum of the mm-hmm. uh, girl twins because she yeah. says that they're being spoiled and she tells them off. And I swear it's like one of the only times that a mother in the show tells off her spoiled little children. Yeah. And like at the end, she's like, oh, I'm celebrating. They're moving away from me. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because like that's a mother who wants her daughters to grow up and be independent and move on, which is literally the opposite of Lorelai and Emily. Yeah, and you know, well, like Lorelai is sad in this because she feels like Rory's drifting apart from her, right? Mm, mm. And like essentially growing up and having more family and being more independent. Emily's fear is because Lorelai decided to go off and do her own thing and be independent, and that's why Emily's mad at Lorelai. Yeah. But in that case, you have a mother who is happy and celebrating that her kids are doing that, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, especially if you what you just said. Because a lot of the episode, Lorelai kind of wants to hold Rory back from being her own person and accepting that Rory mm-hmm. might like the things that Lorelai ran away-, away from. But she comes to terms with it a little bit more by the end of the episode. But I don't think she ever truly yeah. comes to terms with it until we're talking the last season, like season seven. Because yeah. even the whole Rory dropping out of Yale for a little bit, well, I don't agree with it, but it's Rory has that, or like it's her right as a human to take a bit of, and she was taking a bit of time I, I don't agree with her reasoning but at the end of the day taking a little bit of time away from school to just think about things isn't the end mm. of the fucking world you know yeah um yeah so I think like Lorelai really struggles with Rory being her own person but again she would mm. do because she had Rory when she was what 16 yeah she was 16 her when she had her adult life she's had her there with her of course she's yeah so because her parents who have waited until or not accidentally had kids at a young age parents who are a bit older than that maybe they're in their 20s and 30s when they have kids they struggle Mm -hmm. with a bit of they they struggle with empty nest syndrome but it wouldn't be as severe as Lorelai and Rory who have been like you know that fingers crossed since day one yeah what did you think about the weird sub sub plot with Suki and Jackson (laughs) <laughs> oh, I had wait. I had something in my notes. About this. It's it's a petty thing, but I'm completely on Suki's side here. Blueberries are not strawberries. Oh no, I'm on her. I'm on her side too. I mean, yeah. she, but Suki often shows as a chef that she's so inflexible when things don't get her out. Like yeah, she's a control so. freak when it comes to um, being. It's her craft, sure, but sometimes it's hospitality. You have to be flexible because things will go wrong. Deliveries won't be made on time. Like, I don't know, someone might fucking smash a bottle of shampoo. That's hospitality. Like, But in the same way, Jackson was also very inflexible. I agree with Suki in this because like, Mm -hmm. you know, if she was making that shortcake for that day or the next few days, and then suddenly it's a change of plans at the last minute, you have to be flexible. But at the same time, I don't, I don't see why she should be begrudged from going to the grocer's because that's what would happen if you were at a bar and a delivery of, I don't fucking know, some, no, not limes. You wouldn't get limes delivered. Say a delivery of like <laughs> soda didn't come through, mm-hmm. um, just like the club soda that you have on the yeah. little thing. Say that didn't come through because there was an issue with delivery. You would, mm-hmm. I've worked in bars and pubs where you would have to go to the corner shop to yeah. grab like a bottle of soda water and 
that's fine. So Jackson was being a freak, but I didn't like how when she's going through the rummaging through the strawberries, she was touching all of them, but she only had one little yeah. small thing and that got filled up. And then she spent the strawberries on top of the other fruit. And it's like, why are you doing that, babe? Like, get a bag. Like, what? how is moving them from here to like <laughs> over on top of the bananas going to help me? Like, think, think also, properly. Just pick up a box. You need that many. Just pick up the entire box. <laughs> But I thought she would have done, yeah. you know, like smelt them and rubbed them, but then picked up the yeah. entire box because they're doing a bloody wedding, not like just grabbing yeah. handfuls. Um, <laughs> I think, but Jackson is immature, though. Oh, like yeah. Jackson's a very immature man. Simon's so super side. They were both inflexible in different ways, and in a way that kind of shows why they were maybe drawn to each other a mm. little bit because they both have that inflexibility, but they're inflexible in different ways. So that could have either gone two ways. It could have brought out the best in them both or the worst in them both, which is interesting. But yeah, like, I... wait, oh. we, sh- we should probably say what happens in the scene. Yeah, basically like she wants to make a strawberry shortcake, right? Jackson comes and he's like, I brought you blueberries. The strawberries weren't good enough. So I brought you blueberries. And she's like, but I'm making strawberry shortcake. I need strawberries. And then later in the episode, she finds more strawberries. And then he gets mad at her for buying someone else's strawberries. Yeah, which is, um, (laughs) yeah, that's crazy. Because I just like that just wouldn't really happen in hospitality. But I like whenever they butt heads because I feel Mm. like that's their dynamic. They're butting heads, but it's never really that serious. And I think both of them kind of, enjoy it i mean he runs away at the end be like suki i can't believe you and she's like running (laughs) after him but and that seemed to me i mean they're all going to be like what 32 when this is going on and that seemed to me it's like little kids running up the street but it's (laughs) kind of like it's kind of sweet in that way though you know sometimes you want to be with someone who brings out that like not necessarily childish childish side of you but the childlike side of you that lets you have fun and being immature and just like be silly you know Oh nice. yeah, I, to- I totally agree. Like the best relationships with people, romantic or otherwise, mm. are if you can just like be silly with oh, someone yeah. and not be so uptight and adult and blur all the time, you know? That's what I love about Kieran. Like he is the silliest person I know. Like he's as silly mm. as me. And like I said to him when we were first dating, I was like, you don't think I'm immature, do you? Like, do you think, do you think I'm too silly? And he was like, are you kidding? That's why I love you. And I was like, oh. Plus he was like, there's no one else I can be this silly with. And I was like, yeah, it's quite nice, isn't it? yeah yeah that's that's the same in my relationship too he's weirder than me but he doesn't he doesn't seem it you wouldn't believe that he actually is but of course he is because he's got to be weird to be with me in the first place you know so (laughs) kieran's exactly the same like when you meet him he's so like soft-spoken and quiet Mm. and everyone thinks he's quite sensible and i'm like no you should see him when we're alone he is the silliest person he's great yeah he'll those do, are the... like silly voices for Kyra, or he'll pick up like a stuffed <laughs> bear of mine and like make it dance or do a voice or something i'm like i love it yeah those definitely the best the best relationships mm-hmm. to have and like even you know with my friendships my closest friendships are the ones where we can just like um be stupid mm-hmm. you know just be totally stupid just make silly voices and watch stuff and just be idiots those are the best type of you know because it's showing well it's a type of vulnerability isn't it but it, it's funny though yeah. because we all get like that i mean i reckon even like the hardest people on earth probably have a little bit of a silly side to them you know because everyone's got to have a nap occasionally and naps are a bit daft oh i, I love a nap i love a nap too but it's a bit like oh we just gotta go for a little nap do you, <laughs> do you know what i mean just gotta have a little like 30 minutes during the day like everyone goes to sleep and everyone <laughs> we're all we're all human i think even the artist people yeah. they've got to have like something okay but andrew tate 
just pearly things, Myron Gaines, are they ever silly? Or do they take themselves too seriously and that's why they're miserable all the time? I'm thinking really hard about that. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine it. There are some people, if you think of them, I can imagine that they are like, they have a really big silly side. Like, I, I imagine, you know, the actor Pedro Pascal. Yeah. I imagine he's like just a big silly Billy. <laughs> yeah, so I, guess I only know him people. because you've spoken about him so much. Yeah, okay, so I've been really into a TV show called Narcos for everyone that's interested. And he's in it, but the person for me, this is off topic from Gilmore Girls. Imagine going from Gilmore Girls to Narcos about Pablo Escobar and the cocaine cartels. The person who steals the show for me is the guy, um, is Wagner Mora? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm even pronouncing that because like, I read Wagner as Wagner, but I don't know. I think mm. he's Brazilian, so I'm not sure if that's even right. Um. The guy that plays Pablo Escobar in Narco steals the show for me because he's fantastic. He's car- he's probably way more charismatic than the real Pablo Escobar was. Um, <laughs> I did I did a podcast with that's not should be out by the time this is out with a journalist about all of this stuff, and he said that well, a lot of these people are just so boring in real life they have to almost be like cocaine cartel like <laughs> like drug lords to be a bit interesting um but that's too off topic yeah people people like that i don't know because like what about piers morgan do you reckon piers morgan is just ever ever a little bit silly i reckon he can have a giggle sometimes well because i think that it, it's probably is... like he laughs at poor people but that's his idea of fun you know I think, and this is a really big thing to say, but I don't believe that Piers Morgan really exists. I think that he's playing a character. <laughs> oh, not as in like he's he's yeah, fake, right. <laughs> like he's a clone or something. No, no, no. <laughs> like I think he exists, but I think I think Piers Morgan is a character. I don't, okay. I don't think, I don't think he believes half the stuff that he says. But that's because most people in that industry and in politics don't believe. I've met enough of them; they don't believe half the shit that they peddle out there. I, that's I all we'll get into with that. Yeah, I think to an extent. But I don't know, like I'm trying to I'm trying to think of who to say who could be silly without it just being incredibly controversial. Like my head just went to do you reckon Saddam Hussein was ever a bit silly. <laughs> well, we all know Hitler liked painting dogs. So Well, I thought Hitler, Hitler as well, but I thought, oh, maybe that's like too far though. I mean oh, because like he was a human. He was a terrible human, but he was still a human. So he probably did have those moments. Just weird to think about. I think in some ways, like, they're controversial things to say and think about and talk about because we almost don't want to humanize these terrible, terrible people because that makes it all the more real and scary, the awful things they did, realizing that someone just like us did those horrible things. But you that's know? so important, though, because I don't yeah. like, I, I don't like when because i don't even really like the term humanized and this is so off topic from what we're talking about but i've been mulling over this for a while because i've been thinking of things i've been you know thinking a bit about philip schofield and i think that he's going to be back on tv in a few months no one's going to give a shit right i think um it's funny because I, I I thought all these thoughts about Matt Hancock and I'm a celebrity. And then I went to a gig of someone called Simon Brodkin and he had this like joke. And I was just like, this is what I've been thinking of, man. Like we're on the same wave way. Um, it, he had this whole bit about, you know, Matt Hancock caused the deaths of people in England. Like mm-hmm. 
And he put these through these policies through that also inadvertently caused deaths and made people's mental health worse. And you weren't allowed to like go see your dying nan at the hospital, but he was shagging uh, someone who wasn't his wife. Yeah. Hold on. Sorry, that was Kyra grumbling in the bathroom, if you could hear that. Um, yeah, well, shagging someone that wasn't his wife. And then he goes on, I'm a celebrity. And people see that, surprise, surprise, he's a human fucking being. So he's going to have moments of vulnerability or sadness, of laughter, whatever. He's going to have a few moments where he's going to make a joke and it's not going to be the worst thing you've ever heard, right? Yeah. And people see that and go, oh, he's all right, actually. And so the idea of like humanization mm. annoys me because it's like, but you should know that Hitler was a human and Saddam Hussein and Bin Laden, like all of these people, the worst yeah. dictators, they're all humans and the Nazis were humans too. And guess what? You have the, if you, were born in Nazi Germany. Shit, I think I think Jordan Peterson said that. <laughs> I think that comes from a Jordan Peterson lecture. Like before he went off the deep end, I used to watch like some of his psychology stuff, and he said Are you that a like secret Jordan Peterson fan. Do we need to have words? <laughs> I liked Jordan Peterson, but literally before it was like the cool th- the the cool thing for men to do so because I used to I liked his he did this whole psych- psychological significance of the Bible series mm. and. Uh, he did like some other psychology. So I would listen to those. And he had this whole thing about Carl Jung's shadow of self, how you should know your own capabilities. And I agree with that kind of stuff. You know, I agree that you should know what you're capable of, because if you know what you're capable of, if you know your capacity to do bad things, then you can actively stop yourself from doing bad things. Because I don't mm-hmm. think when it comes to fiction, uh, to have heroes do the right thing because it's the right thing with no other thought to go into it isn't compelling at all. And that's why I think villains are often way more compelling than heroes are in fiction, you know, because the best villains are the ones who you can understand their point and you know where they're coming from, but they're just going about it in a really extreme way. So mm-hmm. yeah, Jordan Peterson says something along the lines of um, if you were born in Nazi Germany, most likely you would have been a Nazi and gone along with it as well. Yeah. Especially if you didn't know any better. Yeah, and groupthink and the paranoia and you're worried about your neighbour. What was it in Jojo in Jojo Rabbit, the Gestapo? Um, I really... Have you seen Jojo Rabbit? I started it. I think I fell asleep. It's a good film. It's yeah. um directed by Taika Waititi. It's about World mm-hmm. War Two, And, like, there's a bit of the Gestapo being menacing and they said something like... um. Oh, we get the usual reports. Oh, I think there's a communist behind my fridge, you know, things like that. But that was kind of the air, the attitude of the time during World War II Germany. And I don't think everyone likes to imagine that they would have been the rebel in the underground rebellion. I would have, right? But the rest, <laughs> the rest of you, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know how that has anything to do with Gilmore Girls. Well, actually, it, okay, not so much Gilmore Girls, but what we were talking about cults before. Like, mm. a lot of the leaders in Nazi Germany employed the same kinds of cults. They had the insider-outsider mentality. They had the thought control, the behavior control, like, all of it. So, yeah, were okay. Nazis cult leaders? Yeah, I think <laughs> I think every political extremist group uh, goes through that, you know, goes through the cult mm. behavior. Because um, I guess even if you look at, something as extreme as North Korea. Um, mm-hmm. There's like the thought control, the emotional control. You can't mm-hmm. be caught saying anything bad about the leader, otherwise you and your family are going to be, you know, three generations of your family are going to be put in a camp, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
so I I don't really know North Korea like stuff specifically, but like on the like Nazi Germany front, like looking at Stephen Hassan's bike model again, under behavior control, you have stuff like controlling types of clothing and hairstyles, mm. regulating diet. Like that's what they did in the Hitler youth. They gave mm. them like all the kids like little uniforms and stuff. Um, they sent them away to camps where the amount of sleep they got was controlled, where the food they ate was controlled. They had the whole um, kinder, I, I can't remember the gym word for it, but basically it was like a children kitchen church and that's what women had to focus on. Mm-hmm. And again, so it was focusing on women staying in the home, looking after the kids and taking them to church, um, restricting leisure, entertainment and vacation time. All of that stuff is what they did in Nazi Germany and they started at a really young age with the children. So you can't, blame them for going along with it because that's all they knew they didn't have someone telling them oh no no like these are good human beings too you can't treat them like this all they heard from every angle was these people bad we need to eradicate them they're a threat to you yeah and anyone that did speak out against it was killed so you have that as well they were outsiders too yeah if you have people you care about I understand that you're going to want to put the people you care about first over abstract Mm. numbers and statistics going up. Everything you just said then about cults, you know, controlling what you Mm. eat, how much you eat, your hairstyles, vacation time, that can all be applied to modern day armies as well, like army boot camps for training soldiers in Mm -hmm. England, in America, whatever. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think like a lot of this stuff could be... um applied to armies as well again look under thought control right you've got required members to internalize the group's doctrine as truth for example this uh like the leaders decide between good versus evil organize Mm. people into us versus them that's what the army does like you're trained to see like the enemy as other and outsiders and evil even Mm. if that's not necessarily true it's kind of scary isn't it i think cult behavior mentality applies to just almost everything as well mm-hmm. like because you can kind of apply it you could apply it to office work you have to come yeah. in at certain hours eat at certain mm-hmm. hours have a certain like office tire and hairstyle mm-hmm. other people are the competition etc etc even your colleagues mm-hmm. are the comp are the competition or can be the competition you have so, to do office chance <laughs> yeah exactly so maybe as a human's Maybe cults are just like a normal way of being. natural state. <laughs> Maybe, because like, why are they so prevalent throughout so many different facets of society, if not, you know? No, I don't know where I'm going with that. I just kept thinking of, well, look at the bees. Bees are communists, right? So you don't <laughs> see bees, like you don't see one of them trying to hoard all the honey and trying to sell it, but pay the workers peanuts. Mm. You don't. You don't see like bees trying to be capitalists because because they are yeah, but you do get some species who are more capitalist than others do you oh yeah what of bees like yeah no not bees just a, oh. of animals no like, well, okay, that's, so... that's what i meant i meant like oh, right. bees because bees are communists so they're not trying to be something else so i just i, I just think like mm-hmm. if our species keeps reverting to cult behavior what's that saying really like why is it so why is it everywhere you look well the other thing we have to consider is not just how many of these points does it check off, but like to what extent is mm. it checking them off? So just doing one of these things madly doesn't make you a cult. You need to have like hit a certain number of them and be doing them to a certain extent. So it's like, mm. it's the same with poison, you know? 
the poison is in the dose, they say. So the same substance that can save your life can also kill you if you take too much or not enough of it. It's in the dose. And it's the same with these things. Like asking someone to change their hairstyle for a job might not be controlling, but telling people, you know, in order to live here and survive, you need to have X, Y, and Z hairstyle. Mm. That maybe is more cult-like. So again, it comes down to maybe humans just have it in us to want to control the people around us and the society that we live in but just doing that a little bit doesn't make something a cult I don't know humans are by and large I would say very controlling because you you see Mm. it everywhere I'm sure and every single person I think struggles with being a little bit controlling whether that's trying to force your ideology onto someone else or I'm sure there are things that I'm like a little bit controlling I don't I don't know what what am I currently controlling about no I'm perfect um but I'm like what (laughs) why is the human condition to try to control everything around us is it's just try to is it because we like order and we like patterns and we're trying to maintain some semblance of um maybe not semblance of control but some semblance of belief that we are ultimately in control of ourselves even though we know we're not really actually maybe it's just something that comes with sentience Mm. so like because you get other sentient animals that exert control over others Mm. you know look at like lions for example lions and their prides they definitely have these like hierarchies right you know the women Mm. are basically in charge and then if a man is around he's just kind of there on the edges to protect everyone but generally the women eat first, then the kids, and then the man, I think, mm-hmm. right? Or, or it's something like that. I can't remember. It's a while since I read about lions. But they have their hierarchies. And if you don't stick to certain rules, you're kicked out. The males, when they reach a certain age, are kicked out. They have to go find their own pride and stuff like that. They fight within each other to be like, who's on top? Who's the alpha? Who's, you know, doing mm. that sort of thing? So it's not like it's just humans that have this need to control others and come up with hierarchies and do all that stuff like you see it in lots and lots of animals yeah Maybe it's in dominance over me <laughs> oh well like dogs are very manipulative and people just don't even you know people think oh well we're the master of i i hate that <laughs> word master for like dogs <laughs> like they're servants they're not um but dogs are incredibly manipulative because they've had hundreds of years hundreds of thousands of years of learning that if they make cute faces we will like we do everything for them we pick up their shit we take them for walks we clean them we keep them healthy we feed them realistically what do they do in return they look cute for us like it's like dogs have the because people think that cats are like really cunning and smart no like dogs have got it made they just make some cute faces and we're here bending over backwards for them and loving them and i wouldn't change it but (laughs) there's an argument to be made that we didn't domesticate dogs dogs domesticated us i've heard that but for cats and i've also heard that for wheat as in wheat that gets made into grain yeah i think um in sapiens i think yuval noah harari puts Mm. forth an argument that wheat domesticated humans because wheat wanted to be grown probably butchering that (laughs) he might not have even said that but it's definitely in a book i read about humans once <coughs> bless you thank you um okay i'm not sure i believe it for the wheat mm. <laughs> but dogs i definitely see i'm not sure about cats either maybe but okay but like think about it they were like okay well we won't eat you we'll stick around and protect you and in return you give us a warm place to sleep by the fire 
and scraps of food whenever we want it. Like, it was a good deal. Yeah, I think um, wolves saw hunter-gatherers, saw um, after hunter-gatherers would eat, there'd always be carcasses and scraps left nearby, started thieving some of that, and in turn, hunter-gatherers noticed that when the wolves were nearby, other predators weren't. Um, so then, you know, because wolves, I don't know how many years wolves lives, but it's not as long as humans, they would obviously prefer and give food to the ones who are nicer and then that in turn evolution in it yeah yeah i think yeah. i think it was like a it was a joining you know mm. it was a mutual yeah. mutually beneficial for everyone but absolutely. modern day dogs have it absolutely figured out because like most dogs are not guard dogs like they're not going to protect you like a husky a husky's not going to protect your house a husky is probably going to like go off with the stranger huskies are just this, loud man um this one's protected me haven't you baby you're my little savior. Yeah, she has. She's a good girl. See, you weren't your food and board, right? <laughs> Isn't it? Is there anything else to note about Gilmore Girls? Gilmore Girls. <laughs> um, I wish this episode had more Luke, but the small Luke scene we had, I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, where he complains about uh, golf courses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's I a agree. small one, but a nice one. I like Luke. I think my my thing for every Gilmore Girls episode is going to be needs more Luke. You can never really have too much Luke. Yeah, I agree because it was very brief. <laughs> I also noted I don't know what I've said about Drella before in the other two because I changed my mm. mind every single day about stuff. But I decided in this episode that I don't really like Drella, the harpist. <laughs> she is playing. She's playing a harp, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a harp. It's a harp. Yeah. Um, just because I don't know, it's just like she's so aggy like why are you aggy you you get to sit around playing an instrument all the time as if this is like the medieval ages and you get like paid on top of that kind of but that whole thing she was saying about like oh you know like it's it's my music my art i just have to like feel where it takes me and then like i'll give you next 100 dollars, and she's like i'm your jukebox like yeah <laughs> that's how professional musicians work <laughs> yeah yeah i i did, I did like everything that but they need to pay the bills <laughs> I did like that bit, but just in general, she's just a bit um, a mm-hmm. bit too aggy for like this type of show. So I don't know, maybe if they were just still yeah. trying to work out uh, what kind of characters they wanted. Um, yeah. Oh, and the ending. So, I mean, I liked when, you know, Rory and Lorelai make up at the wedding and mm-hmm. Rory's like, thank you for not putting me in one of those dresses because a little kid is being mm-hmm. reprimanded for not like, you know, for getting her yeah. pretty dress all dirty or whatever. Um, I thought that was a really nice moment, but then the episode ends with Richard showing Rory some pretentious book. I looked it up mm-hmm. as well, and it lo- it looks kind of pretentious. I'm just Loki slating this like old dead dude's work. Um, he goes he goes off, and they go off together. And then Emily's like, "Oh, I want to see as well." And they leave Lorelai yeah. alone in the drinking the entertainment room yeah. whatever it's called they leave yeah. her alone and then that's how the episode ends and i always thought oh that's kind of that's sad mean. i mean yeah it, it's mean and yeah. sad and she's being left out again and i don't know yeah for me guess- that was emily rubbing lorelei's face in it being like mm. see rory's conforming to our ideas why can't you if you conformed you'd be a part of this too mm. that's what she was saying in my eyes and i didn't like it yeah, I just don't like that end on a sad note because I think it would have been nicer if it ended with like them at the wedding, you know? Yeah. After yeah. they'd made up, that would have been a um, well, more classical Hollywood type of ending yeah. for the episode. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah, but we got the return of Kirk with swans this time, although his character wasn't named in this one. No, and he was being Aggie as well. She was like, "Is this twenty swans?" And he was like, "Sure, why not?" He wasn't being <laughs> he wasn't being Kirk because Kirk would have been more yeah. uh, funny, helpful. Yeah, yeah. Not well. He'd have tried to be helpful. Whether he would have managed it or not is another question. He's a little simp for Lorelai, though. <laughs> oh yeah, like he, yeah. he loves Lorelai. And the whole thing about um, Michelle doesn't like the swans because once he was attacked by swans, and that's like kind of played off as comic relief. Which sure, but at the same time, it's like they are dangerous. What? Like, do Americans not know that swans are so aggy, so aggressive? Mm-hmm. They will attack you. They will like run after you. They, they've broken people's limbs before. They're that strong. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have like a short on YouTube about the dangers of swans. They they are so territorial, and, and in mm-hmm. England they um, I, they they still are protected. I would assume, but they got mm-hmm. protected status because the Queen liked them so much. So swans could just menace entire communities, and you can't do anything. I mean, I don't think you should go kill Except a swan when anyway. This around. <laughs> oh. A swan tried to sneak up on her once, and it was huge compared to her and it was only like a couple months after her first doctor and it was sneaking up and I was like Kyra Kyra and she just turned around and let out this one deep bark like (laughs) and the swan just turned around and shot (laughs) and I was like there's my girl there's my girl that's good that's good because otherwise that could have been a disaster yeah swans are like kind of evil man so I understand (laughs) Michelle not wanting to be near the swans I did get attacked by a swan myself once as well really and it was like chasing after me and it had hold my scarf and it was pulling at it and Come down, baby. and there's really? just um yeah there's this photo somewhere i'll send it to you afterwards but it's like my sister's there laughing at me and i'm like literally falling over as the swan's like coming at me with these big wings yeah that's scary <laughs> yeah see it's no good don't trust them uh, facebook but yeah no they're, they're little not little terrors they're big terrors <laughs> horrible little things big things Words, words are hard. Gits. Uh, yes. And swans. Um, oh, this was the day. When was it? 13th of June, 2019. What, you got chased by swans castle. then? Mm-hmm. That's not that long ago. That's only four years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, four years. Yeah, I was 20... like, that's only last year. 2019. Yeah. Like, you were an adult at that point. I'm sure you could have held your own off against a swan. Swan comes near me, either. I'm gonna headbutt it. The veganism's gonna go out the window. Swan comes, I'm joking. I, I would I would run away crying. <laughs> That's it. We did the third episode. We did it. Ah, good job. Good good podcasting. Yeah, decent, not bad. <laughs> We're gonna have to move on to episode four, which we will do as soon as we feel like it, basically. Yeah, very much. Be soon, probably, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> We'll see. Not fast yeah. either way. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you do enjoy it. Let us know what you think of the episode in the comments below. We'd love to hear your mm-hmm. thoughts and chats of parallels and all that stuff. <laughs> also, let us know what you think of rich people doing rich people things on TV because I dislike it. Yeah, and let us know if you think that <laughs> humans are just all secret cult leaders. Mm-hmm. And also, that's what's really going was on. Hitler human? We don't know. <laughs> Asking the big questions. Is Piers Morgan real? Yeah, maybe avoid uh, Hitler chat because I don't want to be... Um, I don't want my channel flagged for talking about 
hit the because you know like youtube went through that phase of um you, your channel got flagged if you talked about even like fun conspiracy theories mm-hmm. yeah they get a bit like touchy about certain subjects not sure why well we're not talking about that conspiracy that like hitler lives under the earth yet i've not heard that i heard that he lives in the antarctic oh no so he was he was searching for the inside world like there's another world under our earth's crust and there's a hole in a world in there and the entrance to it is in the antarctic so he fled to the antarctic and now he's living below the earth's crust in this second world see i was going to make two and two equal for them because i don't even talk to me about the hollow earth theory because like people want to talk about flat earth behave i've been believing in hollow earth since i was 15 mate i do know that yeah you can you can get through to the hollow earth within um from the north pole and the south pole at the two poles you can there's tunnels and stuff and apparently there's all sorts of tunnel systems throughout the us where you can also go in because uh, there's a sun inside the earth and that's also where the reptilians live because it's nice and warm for them yeah yeah that's yeah it. yeah yeah we're not going to okay. talk about that in case you get flagged <laughs> yeah yeah we, we won't we won't talk too much about that stuff but oh, hollow earth completed it mate i know all about hollow earth don't you worry Thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, let us know if you enjoyed it. Let us know if you want to see more. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Follow me on Spotify and iTunes. Give me five star on Spotify. Not iTunes though, because who cares about Apple, mate? That's all really. Uh, check out Rachel's channel when you can, Rachel Oates. And we'll see you guys soon. Bye.